Entrepreneur on Fire 504. In need of some motivation? We've got you covered seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. Working with an individual graphic designer has its limitations. Timing is one. Want dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days? Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Business apps makes it easy to create and manage hundreds of custom mobile apps in minutes with an intuitive drag and drop interface, no coding required. Visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com to learn more. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Andy Wilson. Andy, are you prepared to ignite? Absolutely, let's do it. Yes. Andy is the CEO and founder of Rexter, the leader in professional relationship management. Andy has led more than half a dozen B2B software technology startups and invested in more than a dozen. He believes that great outcomes are the result of great ideas colliding with great people, which is the core thesis behind Rexter. I've given our listeners just a little overview, Andy, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. Absolutely, John. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, in, you know, I'm kind of surprised to be on this radio show, because if you had asked me 20 years ago when I was a graduating as an, uh, as an engineer from Dartmouth College, I thought I would be in some big glass tower running a, a big company. <laughs> and uh, sometimes uh, life takes you on uh, unexpected journeys. And I spent the first 10 years of my life uh, on the corporate track. And then I uh, got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug and have been afflicted. And that's my wife's name for what I have with <laughs> entrepreneurship ever since. So um, so did the big company thing, got lucky to take a company public, and then um, found out about startups. And initially it was kind of corporate venturing, kind of under a big umbrella, and then found out that the freedom to uh, create, you know, create something new, change the world as an entrepreneur uh, became intoxicating. So I've been starting companies and investing companies uh, for the last 10 years and um, get up every day with a spring in my step thinking about uh, you know, how we're going to change the world. Love that. And a fellow New England collegiate graduate. So Andy, Love that. Thanks for that intro. And what we do here at Entrepreneur on Fire that's a little bit different on this podcast, Andy, is we really focus on the journey of our guests. But before we really do a deep dive into your journey, we always start off with a success quote, with a mantra. And I know that you have a great one for us from a great entrepreneur. So take it away. Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily a great entrepreneur, but he's been an inspiration (laughs) to me. Um, so uh, a little introduction. When I started a seed investment company, I was sitting on the fence. And um, you know, entrepreneurship is a real leap, especially if you're used to showing up to work every day and getting a paycheck. And I remember I, when I was kind of thinking about, do I quit and do this, uh, reading this quote from Goethe saying, whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. So um, stop thinking about it. Stop you know, waiting for the perfect time. If you want to change the world, the sooner this you start, the sooner you're going to change the world. So Andy, let's really drill down because that is powerful words on a lot of levels. And how have you applied that 
philosophy, that mindset in your life as an entrepreneur? I think I'm taking an entrepreneurial approach to all sorts of things, right? And it's, I think there's an entrepreneur's mindset. Uh, And so even when it comes to, you know, parenting my kids or being involved in the community, I think this idea of stop thinking and start acting, right? Um, You know, it's, it's challenging that I, I think the the, the difficulty is when you, you know, spend all your time getting educated and go to you know, these top business schools, they teach you about analysis. And more often than not, analysis teaches you paralysis, right? Um, and that's not entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is saying, hey, I, I need to get something done. I feel compelled to do something. It may not be exactly right. Um, but this compulsion gets you out there to swing the bat. Start doing something. Right. So I literally I just started a not for profit here in the greater Pasadena area around innovation. And uh, I think in my old life, I would have waited for somebody else. I think in the in the in the life of an entrepreneur, you, you see opportunities and you think about how you can kind of take proactive, get proactive, grab the bull by the horns, get something done, start creating change. Right. Um, and so this idea of starting it now and stop naval contemplating, stop looking for the perfect answer. I can tell you now, folks, the perfect answer doesn't exist, um, and you'll never make a difference unless you start making a difference. So um, seize the moment. If you believe that something must be done and you're passionate about it, you got to jump in and not look back. Analysis creates paralysis. So, Andy, there you were at Dartmouth, full of piss and vinegar, convinced that one day you were going to be in a glass tower running a major company, a corporation. Things just didn't happen that way, and life threw a couple curveballs at you, and you made some decisions that led you in different directions. So let's focus on that because you've had a lot of successes, and we've mentioned those. We're going to get to more in-depth in each of those topics in a little bit, but we want to start with a failure. We want to start with an obstacle or challenge that you had to overcome during your entrepreneurial journey, Andy. So take us down to the ground level and tell us a story of a time that you failed and the lessons you learned. Gosh, unfortunately, your show is not long enough for all my failures. <laughs> you know, some of them are, are, are more painful than others. We only want the most painful on entrepreneurial Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think the um, most painful one in, was we were, when I was in my seed investing mode, I had partnered with a, a very um, capable entrepreneur. Okay. And, um, you know, he, it, he was the company. In these small companies, uh, the entrepreneurs are, are so vital. It's you know in a big company, if you don't show up to work, they barely notice, right? Um, in a small company, um, everyone makes a difference, and more often than not, it's it's the the entrepreneur with the vision and the passion that kind of makes all the pieces work. And we had been working with this company, and I, I prefer not to mention it by name, but I think the story will carry through, carry the message. Um, and we got through all this work. We started with customers. We're getting traction. Um, and we were in the middle of trying to get a, a larger seed round done. It was a million and a half dollar financing. And um, this gentleman uh, unex- unexpectedly got ill. And a few days later, um, uh, unfortunately, he passed away. Wow. Okay. And you can imagine how devastating that is, you know, kind of losing anybody is, is a painful experience. But the whole, bu- the whole business came to a grinding halt. And once again, contrasting that that ivory tower world of when you have organization and redundancy and process, um, if someone's you know something happens to somebody, um, they're probably you know they're probably missed, but the the the, sh- the show goes on. In these small companies, they're so dependent, they're so delicate 
Um, and, and the entrepreneur is such the linchpin. Um, you got to think about what would happen. And so for folks who have maybe gone through the, entre- the venture process, you, you hear things like key man insurance and like, what the heck is that? Um, there is no one more key than the entrepreneur in a startup venture. They are the lifeblood. They are the, um, the passion, the energy that holds the team together and aligns them against the mission. Um, so lesson learned, um, think about how um, important entrepreneurs are. And of course, as you know, being one, I have to promote us. Uh, but, you know, think about um, what happens in that, you know, extreme case that, you know, the, the entrepreneur is no longer there, right? And people talk about, you know, uh, if I buy the company, you know, I can run it without the entrepreneur. I think if it's an established enterprise, that may be true. But when it's a fledgling company trying to establish itself, um, the, the mission, passion, vision, and frankly, know-how of the entrepreneur is that glue. And, it, and it's extremely hard to replace, um, so extremely painful lesson, um, you know, just for all of us who are in that, that ecosystem to, to keep in mind. So, Andy, you bring up the word key man insurance. Now, what that kind of comes to mind for me is, does that actually mean that the venture capitalist, the person investing, will actually take out a life insurance policy on that key man? You're exactly correct. So, you know, it sounds kind of cold hearted, right? But given the story I just told, imagine you know, uh, John, you have a startup and you've spent a year and a half of your life and taken a second mortgage on your house and you've built some really cool um, technology. But, it, you know, you're the architect and the builder, right? You're the, the contractor and the architect. Um, and I just give you a three or five million dollar check, right? And it's you and four guys and three guys in India maybe doing coding. Uh, and I'm, I'm betting on, on you to translate what is a, a seed of a company into a real company. Uh, and I've taken investors' money and, and, and entrusted it with you, which is important. Um, but if something happens to you, all those pieces fall apart. So the way I can mitigate, you know, my risk is um, taking insurance policy out. That, that it, you know, so if something happens to you, um, key man, something happens to the key man, um, the the insurance premium gets paid back to the company. And uh, worst case scenario, uh, maybe I have a three million dollar policy, so I get my money back. Because the likelihood of building a company in absence of, of the founder in early stages is, is really low. It doesn't seem cold hearted to me at all. In fact, it actually seems like a necessary part of doing business because without that key man insurance and somebody like yourself or a venture capitalist might just not be able to make that investment, even if they want to, because that risk does exist. But by being able to mitigate it, it puts that opportunity on the table. And Andy... Let's boil it down for Fire Nation. Let's really share with our listeners one key takeaway from this obstacle, from this challenge that you faced in your entrepreneurial journey. Having a partner, right? Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it, remember, I, I'm a, a bit of an idealist, and I think as you get older, you start thinking that way. Is uh, I, I think entrepreneurs are on a mission, right? They're, they're in the mission to change the world. And I, at some point, I hopefully I can tell you a little bit about our mission at Rexter. Oh, yeah. Um, but in, in, the, in the last thing and the worst thing that can happen is you spend three years of your life uh, trying to build something, um, you know, blood, sweat and tears, your hard earned dollars, um, your personal reputation. And you, know, you really want to see that idea succeed. So getting a partner um, in, in sure two things. One is the, the sounding board and, and support that you need because entrepreneurship is an extremely exciting but extremely arduous journey. So being roped up to somebody you respect um, and can collaborate with is important. But also in that, that, that off case that something happens 
Um, and it doesn't have to be someone dying, right? Maybe they, they get they get pulled away to a, a some, you know a family situation. The, the show's got to go on because the only way for you to solve that mission is, is to continue to move forward. And, and having some redundancy with a partnership, I think, is really important. So I always look at and always encourage uh, entrepreneurs to, to to have a partner um, for both those reasons. I think they're both really important. One is the redundancy, and the other one is the collaboration and, and kind of teamwork and you know when you're down hopefully someone else is up it's it's, it's a very up and down business as i suspect your your listeners know uh and you got to have you know that partner uh to keep you going when, when you're down and um, pull that other person up maybe when they're down so uh two good reasons to to, to engage a, a co-founder in building your enterprise so andy let's use that now and move to the other end of the spectrum because you shared a challenge that you faced at some point and really how you overcame that and why you had that in place. Now let's talk about a light bulb that went off at some point for you as an entrepreneur. I want you to tell that story, Andy, really take us there with you when you had that aha moment and you took the necessary steps to make that aha moment a success. Great question. That's the spark. You know, we're talking about businesses and you know, that I believe are going to change the world. And, right. um, not, you know, I love people who hang out their consulting shingle and, you know, provide services. But in, in the world of building transformational technology businesses, um, there, there's got to be something bigger. It, it's just not, you know, oh, yeah, I guess I could do that. What, what's going to what's going to ignite that fire? That's what I, you know, I, I love the, the, the name of your show. It's <laughs> Thank you. Entrepreneurs have to be on fire. Right. I think um, when I talk to entrepreneurs and people are starting business, I'm like, why are you doing this? Right. And, and I ask myself the same question, you know, why am I doing, why am I spending my time building Rexter? And um, what happens is you see a problem, you're like, gosh, that's a problem I could solve. Right. And I feel uniquely um, instrumented and I have insights and I have know-how. You, you feel that calling. Right. It's like I, I see that problem. I believe that problem needs to be solved. I feel compelled. I feel drawn to that problem. And I just tell you, when I was um, starting Rexter, I was thinking, um, you know, I've been investing for a while through a seed fund and very hands on with the companies. And, and uh, you know, those weren't my problems. Those were kind of other people's problems. I was empowering entrepreneurs. And I said, darn it. I really in my career want to have an opportunity where I choose the problem. What would that problem look like? And um, at Rexter, it was. Um, understanding, and this is so contrarian to what engineers believe, is that great entrepreneurial ventures are solved with three ingredients. One is the idea. We all know that, right? A great idea, something that inspires you. Number two is, so I'll call that intellectual capital. Number two is financial capital, right? We just talked about venture capital. Right. And number three is relationship capital. Those are the people you must bring around you to bring your idea to, to life, right? Otherwise, it's just an idea. It's just a lab experiment. And when you can engage other people in your ideas, you're going to create a, a bigger outcome. And whether that be getting the right co-founder, building employees, building customers, building advisors, getting VCs, it's thinking about all those, those people, those relationships that are part of that formula to success. So a great idea w- without capital and without people who can help kind of make that idea, bring that idea to life is not going to happen. It's, 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 a, it's a patent sitting in a, in a shelf. It's a, it's, it's a dead idea, right? So how do you bring these ideas to life? So the, the, the light bulb moment to me was thinking about how important that is. If you believe that, and I'm not suggesting everyone believes it. I think it's true, and you'd have a tough time convincing me to the contrary. But if you believe intellectual capital, uh, financial capital, 
in relationship capital. That's the formula for entrepreneurial success. Um, I, I started thinking that how do I get relationship capital? How do I build those people that help build my company? And, you know, I can go to networking events. I can go to LinkedIn. But that seems very kind of random. I need to think about building my network as a portfolio of people that help me succeed. Customers, employees, partners, investors. And so we go out and LinkedIn. We can connect to these people. But it doesn't help you architect that portfolio of people and be systematic about it. And, and when something's important, I believe you need to do it systematically because otherwise, you know, you're going to feel anxious and we want to be confident about these things. So, so Rexter is about crafting these relationships, right, taking connections and building them into a portfolio of vibrant relationships to make your company succeed. Take your idea and make it impact the world, right? So that was, for me, understanding my calling, right, thinking about how I was positioned uniquely, to solve that problem, and frankly, I was the convert. I was the converted. Right, engineers are like, "Darn it, I don't need people. I'm just building great stuff." <laughs> right? I don't. You know, just come to me, build it, and they will come. But that doesn't work. You, you got to go out and proactive and, and kind of evangelize your product and get people intoxicated as you are, and think about who those people are and what types of people need to be included in that network, in in your portfolio, in your relationship capital that help turn that idea into something phenomenal. Right. So if, if you believe that's important, we need tools and systems so we can execute that part of the equation, that the entrepreneurial, the, the equation for an entrepreneurial success. So that, that was my aha moment. And, you know, it, it's been driving me every day. We're over three years into this and I get up every day saying, this is my calling. This is the problem we're solving. It's not Andy's problem. It's not Rexter's problem. It's, 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 it's a um, kind of it's the gateway. It's the bottleneck to more success for more people, more entrepreneurs changing the world. I must do this. We must succeed. Andy, what is your proudest entrepreneurial moment? You know, it's not getting the big exit. And we've been fortunate in some of my, my angel investing activity. And heck, my wife loves that, right? And that keeps her off my back a bit. <laughs> you you got to, rather than just keep writing checks out, you got to have something come, come back to you. Um, I think... You know, this is an interesting one, maybe a little bit odd, but I remember there was a business I built. Um, it, was a, it was a corporate venture, so it wasn't venture-backed. But there was a very odd inflection point. I'm sitting there, and I realized that um, when things were happening, either pro or con, my phone was not the first to ring, right? And when you're the, the, the little scrappy entrepreneur, you're, the buck always stops with you. When you need to raise capital, you need to make payroll, or you need to sign customers, you need to figure out what you're doing the product, you are constantly on the front line. You are, you are slaying dragons every day. And I realized when I was building this business that it actually got to the scale where and, – and I really love the business we're building, and it ended up being the one we helped take public. But it was no longer me. I actually, when, when a customer – there was a sales opportunity, I had a salesperson to go run it down. When a customer needed something, when it happened, their phone rang. I was still holding the pieces together. I was still driving the vision. But it was so kind of gratifying to feel like that I'd built something that was bigger than me. And it, it kind of relates to that first discussion about the failure. Hey, when, when that entrepreneur passed away, were, the company was not bigger than that person. It was, the company was that person. Right? So when you think of entrepreneurial success, it, it, it's building an enterprise or, or an organization where you're not the lifeblood, you're not the linchpin, because then you know you, you've, you've built something that's going to sustain without you, continue to grow and prosper. So I, I think about getting to those points in companies, right? It's like, gosh, 
yeah, getting to cash flow is another one too, right? It's like, gosh, I no longer need to go out and knock on doors and <laughs> get friends and family to put money. Those, that's a tremendous inflection point, right? Like at those, I, I congratulate every entrepreneur when they get to kind of financial independence, real milestone, but also kind of the stress of kind of doing everything, right? Being that sole linchpin and building an organization that kind of helps you front the, fight those battles on all, all these lines, that, that's a huge inflection point too. And I, and, and I challenge entrepreneurs to look for those, those success metrics, right? It's not always going, you know, hey, going public and having the big exit. Let's, you know, those are all great things, but there's lots of other, there's lots, it's a long journey to travel. So where are those celebration points in your company? Um, you know, and I just mentioned a couple, right? You know, kind of this independence, this organizational richness and kind of ability to operate without you. Gosh, then you could probably even take a vacation. Right? <laughs> Imagine taking a vacation, guys. Uh, in my company at Rexter, I, I don't take vacations. I go on vacation, but I'm still working, right? I go with my kids and my wife to Del Coronado Beach and so on and so forth. I'm still thinking all the time about what it's got to go because I, I know the weight of the company is still on my shoulders. When you feel like you can start sharing that weight, with an organization that works together that kind of has some depth to it is, is really invigorating. Um, and I, I look forward to that day uh, in my current venture. Well, Andy, you've just shared some really exciting things with your entrepreneurial journey and most specifically what's been going on with Rexter right now and these milestones and these successes that you're hitting and, of course, the direction you're moving into. And, Andy, before we dive into the lightning rounds, let's thank our partners. When you have an important project on the horizon, but it seems like you have plenty of time between now and then, it's easy to put things off. You think, oh, that can wait till tomorrow, but then tomorrow comes and you end up saying the same exact thing until you're out of time. Design projects are one of those things. As a person requesting the design, you might not realize everything that goes into creating a beautiful logo that not only looks gorgeous, but that is a true representation of your brand. Explaining what you need to a designer takes time, and by putting that off, you're only delaying the inevitable. If you go to a designer and tell them you need something by the end of the day or tomorrow, they're likely going to tell you that you're crazy. At 99designs, it's easy and affordable to get a design you love within a week. Just fill out the online brief, get dozens of designs, and pick your favorite. Visit 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services free. Have you ever thought about starting your own mobile app business? Let me guess. Your answer is yes, but you don't think it's possible. The reasons why are many, including the fact that you don't know anything about programming. Well, I must say, having someone create the Entrepreneur on Fire app was a huge win for our business. I only wish we could have found someone to create it for us sooner. It not only let Fire Nation know that we cared about their needs and wants, it also made it a lot easier to listen to our episodes from anywhere. Am I right? If you're interested in doing the same for other businesses, then I invite you to check out Business Apps. Business Apps has created a white label platform to create and manage custom mobile apps along with all the marketing materials and support you need. No wonder they call it a mobile app reseller company in a box. Visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com to learn more. And we've now reached my favorite part of the show, which is the lightning round, because this is where you get to share some incredible resources and insight with Fire Nation. Sound like a plan? Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? 
I was programmed to um, do predictable things. Engineers like predictability. Um, so I think getting out of your comfort zone and, and realizing the, the power of doing something radical um, is maybe more intoxicating than the, the, the kind of stability of doing, you know, having a job. So I feel like you know, it's, it's maybe a sense of confidence um, in calling. Um, said, you know, I got to do something here. I'm, I'm going to break out of this. It's, it's not the path I anticipated, but I've embraced it, and it's really become an important part of who I am. Um, and I think it's when you just have a job, you know what? It's a great way to make a living. You can take care of your family, but I don't know that you get an opportunity to, in many cases, to change the world and feel like you could change the world by creating uh, something that has never existed before. So seeing that and believing that and living it, um, really important. And I uh, you know, encourage people, if they're ready to make that leap, to, to come join us who are, who are entrepreneurs who, who do these crazy things. What is the best advice, Andy, you've ever received? When it comes to entrepreneurship, um, entrepreneurship is not a, a choice. It's not an application. It's not a job choice. It is a lifestyle choice. Do I want to be this this type of person? I think there's you know people. It's not to say hey I want to go be an entrepreneur. Are you are you prepared? Are you understand the the, the risks, the rewards, the stress, the the fun, the volatility. So I, I so love having people join, you know, the world of entrepreneurs, but really challenge people and people have challenged me. Are you ready? Is it right for you? Right. Is it right for you? And some people it's not right for them. And some people it's right for them, but the timing's not right. So um, it seems really fun and glamorous, uh, but there's um, a lot more hard work and uh, difficult times than you'd expect. And if you um, need to be prepared to, kind of get through those to be successful and kind of being introspective to make that assessment is I've had people say, hey, you know, think about this, right? This, this is not a, you know, something you just start and jump out of. We can always quit our jobs, but once you're really um, embarked on the entrepreneur journey, uh, and I think the other thing is once you take other people's money, right? It's hard to say, hey, if it's my own money, I can write that off. But once you take other people's money, friends and family, you're committing yourself to this entrepreneurial journey. So speak, you know, audit yourself, do, be very, be introspective and, and make sure you're, you're, you're committed to, to that plunge. Can you share one of your personal habits, Andy, that you believe contributes to your success? I'm organized in the, in the sense that uh, I do lots of things um, and I'm trying to avoid just being busy. Um, you know, sometimes we get confused around, um, you know, how much activity that we are doing versus how much uh, progress we're making. So I, I try to stop and say, hey, I'm, I'm really busy. Is this, is, where does this fit? Is this in a, a top, you know, two or three goals that I need to solve? Um, focus on those most critical items rather than completeness. Um, and, you know, a good analogy of this, John, is, you know, business planning. Right. Right. And I, I, and I got guys who say, oh, Andy, can you read my business plan? And they <laughs> drop off a 60-page document. And they give me a, you know, a really complex financial model. And, and what you realize is that they have um, kind of confused completeness with thoughtfulness, right? And we can't, you know, in, in most businesses, if you don't need to be, there's usually two or three critical questions you need to think through that make your business work. And kind of punching all the boxes, uh, you know, confuses people because they can't go through 40 boxes and decide what's important. So think about the hard question about what really, really is going to make your business work, right? And it's usually two or three things. It's going to be, is my product viral? Is it easy to use? And, you know, what will people pay for it? 
It's not, you know, who are all the competitors? What is my brand name? You know, exactly how do I optimize the pricing? Those are kind of second order questions. Figure out the, the vital few. What are those kind of the critical cracking the code questions and challenge yourself to solve those rather than getting mired down in the long laundry list of all the things you could do. Focus, focus, focus. Um, and, you know, I always, like every three months, I'll get my team guys, remember the, th- the things between us and success. It's not the long list of things. It's usually two or three things we must be doing. And when you're a small organization and a startup, you don't have the resources to be, do- be doing second order things. You've got to focus on the things that really matter. Um, and so keeping, keep auditing, right, because you keep working every day and those things can change. Um, a, l- a little case study I'll, I'll, I'll mention to you is uh, I had a company that I had invested in. And we hired a great guy, very bright, um, was a, a fellow um, HBS alumnus, worked at Goldman and McKinsey, uh, and you know, I hired him to see the company. And he gave us his plan, right? It's well, you know, well documented, looked great. We agreed, the board agreed with it. And um, then we kind of had our check-ins and we had a mid-year um, board meeting. And guess what? We weren't meeting our goals. And I said, you know, I'll mention, I'll make up a name. I'll call him John since your name's John. I say, John, <laughs> what the hell's going on? He said, Andy, we're doing great. I'm like, what do you mean we're doing great? He says, you know, the plan, all the stuff I said I'd do, we've done all of it. I'm like, no, that doesn't matter. We don't have customers. We're not generating. We weren't creating outcomes. So he was working the plan, not driving to outcomes. And inevitably, in these small companies, you learn so much that you're, you're, you're kind of, you have to adapt almost on a real-time basis. Of, oh, that's not working. I talked to a bunch of people around this, so the plan has changed. He was so focused on kind of the corporate world of predictability, right? You know, we have an annual planning budget. We're going to go through X. You're going to do Y. Here's your roadmap. That works in a company where, where all the variables are known. In a small company, you're focused on figuring out what matters. So if you're not reevaluating on a you know, relatively frequent basis and adapting what you're doing, you, you can actually work the plan but not get the outcomes. So um, that goes down to what matters and what's working. So that kind of don't just work, <laughs> see what's working, and then if it's not working, change, right? And I was trying to explain to him that you haven't done a good job because we don't have the success we wanted, though you've checked all the boxes, right? And I think in corporate America, um, and once again, I don't want to speak in huge generalities, but I will, uh, we're, you know, being true to a plan um, can be successful at a bureaucracy, right? Being true to a plan that doesn't get you the results in a startup, it means you're out of business. Don't confuse completeness with thoughtfulness. I think that's a huge takeaway, Andy. I love that you shared that with Fire Nation. And do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? You mean besides Rexter? (laughs) (laughs) Rexter will definitely be on the show notes page. Yeah, um, things that uh, so Evernote is is uh, a great tool, and you know I love how it synchronizes and all my stuffs in there. Um, So I'm I'm a huge um, fan of Evernote. Amazing between Evernote and Dropbox, I'm not sure how we ever got our jobs done. Right. Um, You know, I remember kind of sneaker netting everything, and uh, (laughs) I would see Evernote. I love. Um, but Dropbox, I couldn't get my job done with. I mean, having and whether you use Box.net or something like that, but really good, um, you know, cloud solutions for document repository and document sharing um, in a small team. Um, sharing information is critical, uh, and, and, and in today's age, we're we're more and more um, distributed. My team, you know, it's mostly in Los Angeles, but you know, we're not together every day of the week. So having a ways to collaborate and share information seamlessly. 
um, you know, over the web is, 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 is so vital. So um, once again, I would say probably Dropbox and, and Evernote would be top of my list. Well, Fire Nation, you can find the links to these resources and everything else that we're chatting about here today at eofire.com slash Andy Wilson. And Andy, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? Uh, I've always loved Guy Kawasaki's book, Art of the Start. Um, as you probably know, he's one of the early guys in Apple. And um, he has such a um, common sense kind of real-time view of what makes startup work. And the, the challenge that I do a fair amount of speaking at, you know, USC Marshall and Anderson Business School at UCLA. And, you know, there's so much dogma, right, of academia. And I think getting people who've actually been there, and I think Guy does a, a great job, and I think he's actually refreshed that a few times. But if you have not read Art of the Start, um, great book, easy to read, um, and, and so many terrific insights, and they're practical. And, you know, 99% of the time when I'm reading him stuff, my head's nodding like, gosh, that's, that's, I, didn't even, I wish I knew that when I started. So read the book. You'll get a great head start. Well, Fire Nation, I know that you love audio. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audio book just like this one for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Andy, this is the last question of the lightning rounds, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Oh my goodness. I, uh, <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> and I remember you. reading it, I'm like, that, that is a doozy. <laughs> understand what's going on, kind of involve myself in, 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 in that society to understand you know, what's going on, what's, what, what, who they are, what's important to them. Um, you know, kind of the cultural experimentation of, you know, so I could figure out what to do with my $500, right? It's, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, gosh, who are these people? And those are the, those are the skill sets I have. How can I help them? It, it's only, you can only help people um, to the extent you understand what their problems are, right? So trying to get a sense of in that society, what's preventing um, them or the bottlenecks to, to success? What are those pain points? Um, and by the way, it's hard because I'm a B2B guy. So I'm thinking right. about, you know, solving world peace and, you know, getting people to, to um, improve quality of life and using power. Um, I, I'm not the guy to create better entertainment. So I'd look for the, the infrastructural problems, organizational problems, and think about, hey, is there, is there a way I can take those two tools, my know-how, my laptop that has my uh, Evernote in, in, in my Dropbox in it, <laughs> um, in, in, in build it, and, you know, a business and, in, in, you know, Create some, by the way, I can always do consulting, right? I have enough experience that people will hire me to do consulting. Um, but consulting is not building, right? And that's, that was my challenge. I started as a consultant and I, I got frustrated. And if you're a, a builder, and one thing I learned from engineering is I'm an obsessive builder, <laughs> right? And, there, and entrepreneurship is nothing more than building. Uh, some of the things are intangible. And, it, and, and our challenge is just to build great things. So, um, I, I've enjoyed that journey and, and looking forward to, to building more in the future. Well, Andy, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've been chatting about. Rexter, Dropbox, the Guy Kawasaki book, Art of the Start, your contact information at eofire.com. They can just click on the podcast tab because you are hanging out in the archives or just enter Andy in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Andy, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. 
Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. My pleasure. The Fire Path is a new email series we just launched, and we're really fired up about it. When you sign up for The Fire Path, you'll receive a weekly email that covers an important step in the process of starting and growing your own business. We drill down and share with you exactly what we've learned over the past year and a half from starting our business. Visit thefirepath.com to sign up today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 